Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hi. Hello in soccer. <laughs> We're recapping all the weekend's actions for your favorite U.S. players. We're making roster predictions ahead of Wednesday's big announcement. And we, of course, want to hear from you. So hit like and subscribe and let's get after it. Yes. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Eddie Lewis's favorite podcast at Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy TCCCCC, also known as Jim, alongside Heath Hollywood Pierce, which is Charlie's new nickname for him. And unfortunately, Charlie will not be here. Mr. Billy Big Timer apparently is <laughs> taking his private jet to, to the Dominican Republic, Heath. Uh, I, I, he, he must be getting that nice rest and relaxation before the new Galasso channel drops. The only 24-7 soccer channel drops. And mm. he's got the new footy show that's happening uh, every morning. So that's going to be pretty awesome to see him and the rest of the crew get after it. But he's not with us, Heath. And I feel like... Maybe he thinks he's bigger than us now. Maybe maybe that's where we're going with this. Uh, you know, like like any man <laughs> of his level, he's gotta he's gotta allow himself a little bit of a breather. You know, he's got a lot on his plate, uh, Jimmy, and um, I don't know. I'm giving him excuses. He bailed on us today. Apparently, his flight was delayed. But I was like, how? If you fly private, your flights are never delayed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pop right. back into your private lounge and uh, and and dial in. Um, but yeah. Um, miss miss him, but um, you know we got a lot to talk about today. Anyway, we do, we do, we do. We more, definitely more miss room him. for us. I, I'm a little a little disappointed that he can't maximize his Wi-Fi on his private jet to just like drop in and like hang out and say hi from the air. But maybe that's something to push for in the future. All right, for everybody listening, just want to let you know we're having a recap of this weekend's action with an eye to this week's roster announcement for the U.S. Men's National Team for the upcoming Nations League games. We are going to have a very special full reaction to this roster right after it drops on Wednesday. We'll see what Anthony Hudson and his coaching staff and Heath, of course, because he hangs out with them at the coffee shop, have in Mm. store for us during this international window. We're, of course, going to preview and recap both of the games against El Salvador and Granada. So make sure that you're tuned in and locked in and just hit that notification button here on the YouTube to make that happen. And, of course, if you're on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. Uh, leave comments. We love that. We love reading your comments. We love uh, hearing your opinions on anything that we're discussing. And then, of course, if you're listening, make sure you download, follow, leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. And don't give us any four stars because Chuck doesn't show up, okay? We don't. We just don't have time for that. Please show some respect to me and Heath for that. And then, of course, share this podcast with a friend. We'd really like to build that word of mouth and build this community and get as many passionate people about the U.S. Mm-hmm. Men's National Team and it surrounding all of its universe and the umbrella as we possibly can. So, Heath, there's a lot to talk about. Jeez, I, least, Jimmy, that's a mouthful that you just it had. Is, you know? It is. It is. Unfortunately, there's only two of us on the show, so you get to talk as much as you want. <laughs> I get more airtime. Yeah. Okay, okay. So the U.S. Soccer uh, AGM, the All General Meeting or whatever it stands for, uh, is happening in San Diego this upcoming week. And one of the things up for discussion is the U.S. Soccer President job and whether it should be paid. Because it's been, according to, and this is a great article on Yahoo Sports by Harry Bushnell about this whole situation. Highly recommend everybody to read it. But but 
it's been an unpaid job for over a century. And many people think it should be a paid job. I'm one of those people because it's just become a lot more complex. And, and I'll get into a little bit more of my thoughts, but I wanted to hear yours first on whether you think the U.S. soccer president job should be a paid position. Oh, yeah. I think all those positions should be paid positions because, one, I think when they're volunteer, you tend to people naturally that have other things that they are paid for are going to lean to those. It's a part-time job at that point. Um, I think – I can't say that for everybody because I'm sure that's not you know uh, uh, the case in, in, in all scenarios. But paid means that people are focusing on it, right? That is their job to focus on that. And, and I think that's an important distinction. Uh, between you know being part of board meetings, popping in and popping out, th- there's 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 I think a, a need for that person to be paid to feel validated. One to be a significant shareholder or or a voice in the room to feel empowered to do that, to focus on that, and to also you know take the time and not turn it into a carousel um, for for uh, whoever's in there. To, to I just think that it's better in a paid position and and leaves less room for for things falling through the crack or controversies. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that there's so much that's being asked of US soccer now to take some leadership of whether it's a, the adult youth league or adult adult youth leagues. That's a that doesn't work at all. Adult leagues, <laughs> the youth stuff, you know, they got out of the development academy because it just was too much. It's too complex. It's it's too it's just too big of a job, I think, for yeah. U.S. soccer to handle. And I think the U.S. soccer president at one point, especially under Dr. Bob, used to be a little bit more ceremonial and other people were doing and pulling the strings. But then Sunil Galati came in and made it more of a full-time job. Now, Sunil Galati had the luxury of being a professor at Columbia. He also was on the CONCACAF exec, uh, executive board and that got paid, I think, 125 k a year. He's also on the FIFA executive committee that paid him 250 a year. So he was getting the supplemental income and I'm sure he's getting speaking gigs and all types of different stuff. Yeah. That, that was, was it, it, it made it a little bit easier. But if you're Cindy Cohn right now and you don't have maybe the luxury of some of these other gigs, and I think she, she's running a, a club in North Carolina. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm sure that's paying the bills, but this is a full-time job. And I think Sunil Galati kind of shifted how much time is being spent to this and it, it lost the ceremonial tag. And I think there's just a lot of areas, a lot of sectors under the U.S. soccer umbrella that need attention. And mm-hmm. to your point, if they're getting paid, they're going to go because that they, they need to put food on the table to do that. But if they're getting paid by U.S. soccer to focus on these things, then I hope that that focus will help solve some of the problems that we have. So I do think that it should be paid, and hopefully that person will approach it as a full-time job in a way that we can start to just just eliminate some of the gray area, make it very clear what roles and responsibilities are, and it really start to build in some accountability that the U.S. soccer president maybe didn't do before for themselves, of course, but also for the people that are underneath them. Yeah, and like it, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be. Uh, I, I don't think that you can not KPI somebody because it's a volunteer or an unpaid position, uh, but we don't have time within us soccer to have a position that gets KPI, but not dedicated time and attention to, because then you lose a year or however long until your next person comes in, right. Where you can say, Hey, you didn't achieve this in a paid position. I think it adds a little bit of a little, just another layer of accountability needed uh, to uh, affect some of the changes that we need within us soccer, at least give it the attention that it needs to, to, to keep improving it or improve it significantly. So there's a there's an interesting quote here as a counter to this from Dave Guthrie from Indiana Soccer's executive director, and he said this at last year's AGM. I would suggest to you that our clubs, the tens of thousands of clubs who are led by presidents who are volunteers, they probably invest as much time in their work life as they do in their volunteer job as president of these youth organizations. So I don't know that, that the justification for paying the U.S. soccer president holds true unless we somehow want to pay all of our presidents for all of our member organizations, which I don't think we're prepared to do. So, so, but, but at what point, like those probably, those people probably deserve some payment too. I don't know how that works, but I think if it started with us soccer, you'd like to think there'd be a trickle down effect because now there's a precedent that's been set. Yeah. I I I mean, every, every organization is going to be a little bit different. This isn't just so black and white. I don't think. I I feel that it is a, uh, a paid, uh, I mean, I feel like it is, it it does need to be paid. I, I, I understand all the volunteers and the work that they do. That's what helps make youth soccer tick however youth soccer is also extremely profitable um in a lot of cases right there some of them are private equity backed machines um in the youth soccer space that doesn't i'm not i'm not saying that's okay uh whatsoever but what i am saying is 
is that there are some well-paid positions within within clubs. You know, the 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 director of coaching um, and and other positions that that some of them make a good living. So I think some of those volunteer positions should be looked at as a future of like, if we can get to this, it would allow us to have more paid positions, whatever those are. I think for us soccer, on the other hand, though, um, at a certain point up the pyramid, you need to have somebody with the time bandwidth and energy, uh, to be able to oversee that. And I just think that that, like you said, it eliminates some of that gray area. I don't disregard that, that comment about, you know, unless we're ready to pay everyone at all. Uh, cause I totally get it. And it's, and it's a totally valid point, but I do think, you know, as you go up and and have to have more of an impact or more of an overarching strategy, I think that's an important one that's paid. Okay, so one last thought on this, and it's a quote from Michael Karen, who's the current president of AYSO. I started an AYSO back in the day in Southern California, so it's got a special mm-hmm. place in my heart. Shout out to Region 98 in Live Oak Park. Appreciate you guys. So Michael Karen, who we want to get on the show, we might get him on post this AGM stuff to get a little bit more of his thoughts and, and to hear what happened maybe behind the scenes. He said, if the grassroots as a group of folks believe that what the Federation was doing was value added to the membership, I doubt paying the president would be much of an issue. But that's not a sentiment that's widely held. What do grassroots members care about? They care about how do I get more referees on the field? How do I get them trained? How do we get coaches trained? How do I make sure the kids are safe? How do I create registration systems that gets kids organized and on the field with a minimal amount of work and effort? How can I leverage messaging that the Federation might provide to me around parental education and player pathways and things of that nature? Those are the nuts and bolts issues that people really want to have help on. And candidly, at least in my experience, the Federation has been more focused on being a regulator instead of a trade association. The Federation's got to do more at the grassroots than just be a regulator. They've actually got to be aligned with the interests of their members. And that's right. been tough. And I, 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 that's incredible insight. And I wonder then if Cindy Cohn, Cindy Parlow Cohn gets paid, I don't know how quickly she can address these things, but at least you know that her focus is going to be completely dedicated to this, or at least that's what it should be in theory. Yeah. I mean, my, again, my, my, my issue with that is I feel like those are a little bit, it sounds like, you know, that sounds like more so the 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 tactics or the strategy of which you execute uh, or the tactics of which you execute the strategy that should be focusing on what is it that they actually want, right? Listening is different than than having a paid position. Mm-hmm. I think the argument of a paid position is a different one. If it's saying, where should we put our dollars? Should that be towards uh, coaching education? Should that be towards referee education, getting more on the field, solving some of that problems? as opposed to paying, that's a little bit more connected to me. Whereas I think paid or not paid, there should they should definitely be listening to the major uh, shareholders at the grassroots level. But you know, when you're talking about this large of an organization, this many teams, this many organizations, this many groups, this many people involved in, in the US soccer landscape, it's a lot of things you have to be able to fix and prioritize, right? It, 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 I guess what I'm saying is, a lot of this feels very political, right? It is only so much you can do. That's why they they that's why people ran for for roles, uh, and they had to go out and lobby and 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 promise I'm going to change this or do this, and they're trying to win contingencies think- based on 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 what their promises are. And 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 unfortunately, you can't do it all. And U.S. Soccer, who had this massive coffers, have depleted their reserve and and don't have very much money anymore need to build that up. Do I think post 2026, they're going to have plenty again? Yeah, absolutely. But right do you now, think, do you think yeah. us soccer is understaffed? Cause I've always gotten that sense that you always, you, the people that we ran into at times wore a lot of hats and you'd like to think at some point that it would be a little bit more robust and, and maybe not to say it was shoestring, but I wonder if, if like if Cindy, Co- like to your point, this country's massive and we need, people feeling like they're being heard and listened to and that there's Mm -hmm. some action behind what these people are hearing. Like, Oh, okay. The adult leagues need a little bit of this. Cool. How do we make that work? How do we have a a conversation? Like we need almost regional presidents because our country's so goddamn big. So, but that just means hiring more people. And if we're paying more people to try to solve these problems, these problems are going to get solved and everybody's pissed again. And it's just like, we're in this hamster wheel of death. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, but I I don't know. I don't, what, what do you say? What do you think? Do you feel like you get that vibe sometimes? I, don't, I mean, it certainly feels like it because you and I have had like intimate connection too, and it always feels like we're talking to the same people about multiple things. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think it's more about understanding what is the role and responsibility of U.S. soccer, right? What's the role and responsibility of of, of a regional um, setup? What's the role and responsibility of the grassroots 
um, governing bodies? What are these roles and responsibilities? And then you have to align on certain things because we're all going to have different objectives, things that we're trying. We are representing our um, AYSO is representing their grassroots um, um, contingents and and other groups are representing those as well. Right. And you got to find that overlap, some of that connective tissue that brings all that together. But it's it's very I think it's a little bit a little too blue sky to think that we can all just work together and, and solve all the problems because <laughs> and, and for, for everybody. I do think that there is a, a responsibility that needs to be improved and better relationships need to be built. But there is generational uh, shifts. There's there is there's also issues at every level from grassroots up that they have to deal with internally. Right. That whether it's the right people in charge or, or, or otherwise. And so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot to fix before you can just go down and say, if we just make this a paid or unpaid position, it'll fix everything because because it, it won't. It's it is a multi-step process that I don't think has been handled very well and definitely needs to happen. Um if we want to grow the sport, if we want to improve the the overall youth playing experience, if we want to build a larger consumer base heading towards 2026, you know, you need to have a player transition in and out of the sport, whether they make it to high school or college or professional in a way where they still love the sport, right? Have a positive ex- experience, build good people for the future that want to be part of the sport. I think all of that has to, has to take place over the next years. And that requires a ton of work that may not be solvable in the short term. Okay, we're going to have... Most likely, Michael Karen from AYSO come and join us at some point so we can dive into this a little bit more with him, who's definitely living it in a very different way than we are, of course, and, and has been at the front lines and, and been in the volunteer sector for a long time with AYSO for close to 40 years. So I'm excited to get his perspective moving forward. Now, I do want to talk about Jim Curtin. He made some comments about who should take over the U.S. soccer job. Did you see this, Heath? Anybody listening? Okay, cool. So I'm going to catch you up. We'll get into this. And then, of course, we're going to recap all the good action for our U.S. men's national team player pool around the world. But Jim got asked, who does he think should take over the U.S. soccer job? There was a lot of guys that got asked. uh, Josh Wolf got asked. uh, Dom Kinnear, Pat Noonan. uh, And then Jim Curtin got asked. This is on The Athletic. And Jim said, whoever gets in there now has to preach simplicity. Don't overcomplicate it. We have really talented players. They don't need a ton of information right now in a super detailed style of play, which Mm. sounds counter Mm. to Greg. Okay. He continues, for lack of a better way to put this, I'd sort of revert to the Bruce Arena approach. Put the best 11 guys out there and get the F out of the way. They'll figure it out. This is what the team needs right this minute. He then pointed to his own experience of coaching Brendan Aronson as proof of concept, saying that he largely just provided an environment for that player that accentuated the talents he already has by uh, staying out of the way. He went on to say, in this country, we treat players like robots too much and end up producing players who are average at everything. We need specialists. That's what wins at the highest level. We had nothing like that at this past World Cup. Jim Curtin coming out, firing, but he got, hold on, hold on. You're always going to need this. He kind of continued his thoughts about how the coaching staff maybe should be built. He says, you're always going to need a head coach no question, you're going to need an offensive guy, a defensive coach, a transition coach who just works on transitions. That way, when we get to the World Cup and we say, okay, our offense wasn't good, our offense was good, our transitions were excellent, get rid of the defensive coordinator, he's gone. That accountability is the way it should go. Thoughts on that, Heath Pierce? No, he's not. I, I, I think he's not wrong. I think that's oversimplifying in a lot of ways, you know, because that's it, it reads like swinging the pendulum all the way back to the other way again. I think Again, it's there's something to be said about about um, you know cherry picking a number of those things. Do they need a system? Yeah. Do they need tactics? Of course they do. I don't think the suggestion is that like throw throw it all out, you know, the baby out with the bathwater type of thing. It, it, it does need that, but what it doesn't need is this cultural overhaul that starts at the grassroots level that then gets overhauled again in a few years. Right? We need to let those players because they're talented players go on the field and play a certain way. Having said that. You run the risk also, Jimmy, of, of having a bad game and saying, what now, right? The coach mm-hmm. is there to coach. The manager there to manage. Like, what, what's the system? And I think we're stuck between sort of the over-analysis, the paralysis through analysis, the complexities of, 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 a, of a club-like system within the national team, and then the just throw your best 11 out there and go out and play. Because I think that best 11 now can function at a higher level than we've ever had before. So you can give them more information than we've ever been able to give before in terms of tactics in terms of the expectation on how we play within certain areas of the field in terms of how you play against a deep block versus a high press. You know, I think that we have the ability to create 
a, a detailed tactical system or principles of play uh, to more simplify it than than just sort of a, a, a free for all because we've got good players. I think we have. I think I think we can go that far now because these players play in environments that are more much more complex at higher levels and things like that. We should be pushing them to to go a little bit further, but I don't think we need to go to that point where maybe we were before, which is over over information mm-hmm. and therefore players not knowing what to do and losing their natural ability at what makes them good. No, I played for Bruce Arena, so I can give some context here. And I remember playing against Honduras in a Gold Cup semifinal. And we came out in a 3-3-3-1. And we had me, Gooch, and Eddie Pope in the back line. And we had Chris Armas, John O'Brien, and Steve Trundolo as our next line. So, so think of that back six. Now, now, Bruce put us in that position, but gave us an opportunity to be flexible and fluid within it, right? So if the ball shifted out wide, I could be so much the de facto left back, and then Chirundula would basically hook in and be more of the right back. So we still maintained our back three and vice versa, right? Johnny O'Brien could slide into the left back and uh, if if uh, Eddie Pope or Gooch stepped into the space. So there was a way, I mean, we talked about it. It wasn't like we just, he just threw us out there, to your point. So I, I, I get where Jim is going with the Bruce Arena thing, but you still, you still, there's some focus on getting your best 11 players out there. And I know Charlie's talked about it before with regard to Bruce. And, but I still think there's a, a little bit more thought. I do think that Bruce did simplify things for the players and like, hey, you got these three things to focus on in your position and, and then three overall things that we should focus on as a team. And I, I responded to that but, in particular. But, but let's not forget that didn't work with the next generation when he came in to try to save world cup qualifying, right? That simplicity didn't have the same effect. I think that was a generation think, of players. Listen, that, that, It comes down to that last game though. I mean, okay. We lose in New York, of course. And that, that, that was heartbreaking, which set us up for that. But we, we win in Orlando four zero and we go down and he just, where Bruce for me made the mistake was by rolling out the same starting lineup. He needed to give some of the hungrier guys that guys were because the other guys thought they had already qualified for the World Cup. Essentially, <laughs> put the other guys in; they just got to go out there and finish, finish the deal as a rolling out. And I get why he did it because you just like these guys are going to finish the job. They started it. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, listen, listen. We're going to get back. Oh, to I think this. the players, the players definitely failed. Like that was this not necessarily necessarily about Bruce Arena, but some no, of no, that. No, no, it's it's a, oh Bruce is it's on Bruce for sure. I think he should have started a different team. Um, and yeah. I think you would have had hungrier players going out there because I'm going to give you a story after this first break. Okay. So don't go anywhere. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, everybody. I'm not sure if you know this, but it's March, which means it's March Madness time. It's time for your bracket. So get yours in now at CBS Sports app. You can play in the men's and women's pools with friends or join our challenges for the chance to win a new car. That's pretty sick. And trips to the 2020. Uh, 2024 Final Four. Get the CBS Sports app or visit cbssports.com slash brackets. No purchase necessary. Just see the terms and rules for all the details because I'm pretty sure everybody reads through all the terms and rules. Good luck with that, everyone. And welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce. And unfortunately, no Charlie Davies because he's in the air going to the Dominican Republic on his private plane. And what we, we, what, we can't hate him for that. That's pretty cool. One one of our very own is living the life. We want to make sure we support him and everything that he's trying to do. Mm. All right. So my story is with regard to what was I going to talk about? (laughs) Bruce Arena. Uh, Bruce Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so with regard to in terms of not qualifying, I remember we had qualified in for the 2010 World Cup and we had done it in Honduras. And we still had to play Costa Rica. And there were stakes on that game. Costa Rica needed to win to get into the World Cup. So Bob Bradley was the coach, and he elected to play his best team. Now, this is actually the camp where Charlie got hurt in his car accident. Okay, so we'd flown in from Honduras. And when we're in D.C., 
to play against Costa Rica at RFK. Rest in peace to RFK Stadium. And Charlie gets hurt, and and so he's out. He was already out anyway because he had a bit of a hamstring issue or quad issue. And then and then I was pissed because I'm like, why roll out the same guys? Like this is just me from my perspective at that time. The other guys have like they're celebrating, man. They did it. They've worked so hard. They've accomplished the goal. We were going to the 2010 World Cup. Kind of put out the other guys that might just have a little bit of that hunger, a little bit more of that sharpness to make this game. But but no no disrespect here to Bob. I get it. He rolled out his quote unquote best players. I put quote unquote because I feel like I'm in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he put the guys that that led him there. I wasn't as uh, as significant of a role. In you weren't uh, quote unquote best player. I wasn't. I wasn't. A, I, I in, quote, the, unquote, in the eyes in the eyes of those who. <laughs> scored. <laughs> so so he rolls out the same guys. Unfortunately, that's when Gooch like tears his knee and like he never recovers from that knee injury. By the way. Yeah. And and I would say that. I just was a little disappointed. We end up we end up drawing that one two two, and Honduras still goes to the World Cup, and Costa Rica gets knocked out off a late Jonathan Bornstein, your favorite player uh, header on a corner, and Johnny B does does the business, and it was a nice way to kind of end qualifying, scored a late goal, and it was very exciting. The Hondurans love Johnny Bornstein for life and all that good stuff. But but I remember thinking that I think that the guys that were on the bench who who were were probably would have given Costa Rica a better game. I, I just because they're the, the sharpness would have been different. I think it might have been the same. You don't have to change everybody, but like just three or four or five players. It didn't even have to be me. I just feel like refreshing the team a little bit. And I think Bruce made the same mistake heading into that game. Obviously, we got you know they scored some pretty freaky goals and all that type of stuff. But but it just felt like we had something to lose in that one instead of everything to gain. And I think if you had players that had that mentality, that probably would have been a pretty easy game to to manage. And we didn't do a good job. And I obviously don't want to relive it. But I wanted to throw that story out there. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's it's a valid point. I mean, it comes down to moments, right? Like you said, it's it's like anything when when you make a mistake in a game, Jimmy, and you give up the goal at the end of the game. Is it your fault? Yeah, but did we have plenty of chances to win the game earlier? Yes. Did we have plenty of chances to like? Did we make all those plays up to that point? Like, it's, it's hard to narrow things down to a single moment and say what could have been different in that moment because it's all sort of sequential. Not not necessarily say there's like a butterfly effect to any of it, but like it is a pretty fluid sport that we play in. And, you know, you can always make reasons as to why. Like I've never had a coach not be able to find a way to blame me for a goal, even if I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> the same way that when you had a coach that liked you, never seemed to ever put you up to blame for a goal, right? Like you make a mistake and they're like, yeah, but two passes before we had a chance to put out that fire and somebody just drag them down, take the yellow and they don't score that. You know, there's there's just... There's a, that's the way that that the game is, but I appreciate that story in terms of giving context around decision making. Yeah, right. Uh, in these types right. of moments, which is which is what it's all about. Okay, so now let's get into some of the recapping. We talked about presidents and coaches of the U.S. men's national team in U.S. soccer. Let's get into some games. So Fulham hosted Arsenal, league leading Arsenal in the Premier League, and they lost three zero. This is the second consecutive game now that Fulham have given up three goals. They lost 3-2 to Brentford in their previous game. Six goals in the last two, not looking good. I will Greg say... Greg Berhalter was there. Greg Berhalter was there. Greg Berhalter was spotted at Craven Cottage, everybody. By the way, somebody people were posting it and they were taking a picture of him and then zooming in on his face and to make it like basically like Bigfoot type of blurry where you, know, <laughs> you can see in the first picture that somebody took that that's Greg Berhalter. We don't need to zoom in <laughs> of being like proof that it's him. And then it's like a pixelated photo, you know, of like uh, a rare sighting. Well, yeah, what, what do you think about him Showing himself in public. It's probably the first time we've seen him in a while. Yeah. I mean, being a human being and catching a good game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, wouldn't if you were in London or you had a chance to go to London and it's a big game like that, you're watching Arsenal uh, get a step closer to a, to a, to potentially a trophy. Like, sounds like a good thing to do uh, yeah, why not? with your why family not? or otherwise. Get to, see, get to see a couple Americans play as well. I will say, having watched a good portion of both the Fulham Brentford and Fulham Arsenal game, it, that that teams might be targeting Anthony Robinson a bit at the back post. He didn't look fantastic defensively or just a little reaction or anticipation. Yeah. yeah. A little more reactive. And that, does that make me nervous? I don't know. He's, he's being talked about making a move to man city and inter Milan's of the world. I, I think when you watch these last two games in particular, you might, you might be softening that at that energy because I still think there are, there are parts of his game that need to improve and that, that recognition of danger when the ball's on the other side of the field, I think is an area where he could do that. Yeah. But you're a resident left back, so go for it. No, no, I think that's definitely that, right? Um, it's it's a moment of when he's at his best, he's proactive. And when you have that pessimistic mindset in and around the goal, you're always looking to be 
on the front foot, right? That step to it, knowing where it's like, I've got to watch this player to my left that might be on my blind side. And I've also got to be able to step forward and make that play or pinch in and cover if, you know, everybody's shifted over. And that all happens in real time. But when you, when you sort of allow your brain to lapse or you don't get in, you're not locked into those types of moments, then you play against teams that can punish you. And, and for a moment like that, um, he got punished. And so it's not something you want to create a habit of, but you definitely have to address that in the video and say, you know, either, either you, you, you make a replacement and create a little bit of a, a, a restart for them mentally to say, okay, yeah, I've got somebody like, you know, knocking on the door to take my position for me, or, um, you give them another chance, but you have to address that, that conversation of saying, Hey, you know, that in these types of situations, yes, it's a little chaotic, but you've got to be in the right position to, to make plays. And, you know, no matter what position you're in, it's ultimately comes down to like you, every single time it comes in and around you, you have to be able to think it could get to me and I need to be able to make that play if it does, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's unlucky, but more often than not, when you, when you have that active mindset, you can make those plays in that position. Yeah. I'm curious to see how he responds. So we'll keep everybody abreast of the situation and uh, how Anthony fights through this moving forward because it does feel like teams are targeting him a little bit to, to positive results currently. All right, let's move on to Leeds. Brighton, that was 2-2. Brendan Aronson starts centrally again. Tyler Adams gets to start. Weston McKinney does not. They elected to go with mm. Mark Roca instead, but he does come on in the 66th minute. And he came out with Rodrigo and, and Noto. So he came out with some good guys. They all came on at the same time. Uh, Aronson actually played all 84. He played 84 minutes. I didn't mm -hmm. all 84, all not almost all 90. Uh, two, <laughs> two, though, when he came off. So he looked pretty, he looked pretty busy. I thought that he looked probably as positive as I've seen him, that where his actions were turning into chances or sequences that were leading to, to some danger. Right. And I thought that that looked probably the best that I'd seen him or sharpest that I've seen him in a little yeah. while. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Uh, Weston not starting is interesting, but I did see this and, and I, I don't think it's fair per se, but there's a comparison going around uh, about the kind of the holding midfielders for the three countries, Canada and the U S and in Mexico. And somebody put out that this season, Edson Alvarez, he has 12 goals and five assists. Is that right? Edson Alvarez has 12 goals? That can't be right. No. And then uh, Steven Estacchiao from Canada has 10 goals and eight assists for Porto, which, okay, I, I think that might be right. And then Tyler Adams has four or four, or two goals and two assists. Two goals. I don't even remember where Tyler Adams scored. So, so I don't even know where these stats come from, but I saw it and I just did cut and paste. And now I'm, now I'm questioning everything I'm reading out loud. Yeah, but, hold on. You, I'm going to check this while you're talking. Yeah, no, I don't think that's right at all. But I, I get what they're trying to say, which is that, that even though. He's the, got the, two goals, two assists in the Eredivisie this year. Who does? Edson Alvarez. So why does it say 12 goals and five assists, dude? Is this like no. career? This must it be could a be. Could, I mean, he's a, a he's a six. You know, Michael Bradley scored eighteen goals as an attacking midfielder in, in Holland, so it's not impossible for a midfielder. No, to score this a bunch is like Estacio. He's a he's a proper six. I don't know I, about Estacio. Estacio, I know does obviously does a little bit more. Anyway, the point was, let's leave these numbers aside. And I totally uh, I apologize for for saying these out loud now that I know that they're not right, and I should have given it a little bit more context. This could be over their careers per se, but but club wise. Uh, they're just trying to make the point that even though the CDM isn't supposed to central defensive mid isn't supposed to create offense that Canada and Mexico have a guy or guys that do better than ours. And I'm like, yeah, so what dude? Yeah. But I, I would want <laughs> to, even, even, even if those situations were correct, I'd want to, you'd have to go a click deeper to say how many of those are penalties, how many of those are set pieces, how many yeah. of those are dead ball scenarios where, you know, Edson Alvarez is a big body. Um, how much of them are, are a, a free kick scenario, you know, balls from white areas, those types of things. Um, but I don't disagree. Like, should we get more in product out of our central three? A absolutely. Within our national team, do I think Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, and Yunus Musa need to put up more numbers between them? Weston McKinney's obviously in the air, set pieces, white areas, being busy in the box is capable. But I'd love to see them put up more numbers to increase um, – our, our goal, goal scoring capabilities at the national team level, right? I fully agree with that. This this is goal contributions in Europe since the 2019 season. Okay. So so all those numbers are correct, but they're I just needed I forgot that more all important context. So goal contributions cool. in Europe since the 2019 uh, season, right. which which again Tyler what, Adams what, isn't what, like those West, other two guys. What's Weston McKinney's though? 
yeah, I don't, I don't have that readily, readily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Weston McKinney's has got have got to be up there in terms of goals scored since 2019 in Europe. Like, you know, he's a three or four goal a game. If you get to that point, you're talking about 12 goals. I don't need Tyler Adams to be Andrea Pirlo. I need Tyler Adams to. I no, want but, him to break the, you, break the lines. I'd like him to start yeah. more attacks where he can be the third or fourth pass before. But, I want to be better Jimmy, at that. He's a connected but tissue for Eunice Musa and and. And Weston, Weston McKinney, that's though, different. You are saying that I, I, I'm saying the two of them need to have more output in our attack. We cannot say our front three, everything has to come through them. And maybe that's assists and whatnot, but more combination play, more connectivity to the front line, being an attacking threat, not just the late runner or the set piece. Like, I do think there is a little bit of responsibility. I'd like to see more out of them. Okay, let's move over now. I, we'll got some Christopher Walken saying, Heath, you don't understand. He was Wes is an eight. Not a CDM. And Eustachio is more of an eight than a, than a CDM, I would say. Edson Alvarez is probably the Edson best. Edson Alvarez is a proper six. He's also playing for Ajax, which is a team that's incredibly dom- dominant in their own league. Yeah, they score a thousand goals a year. I guess Weston was playing for Juve for a while, but but Schalke now leads. It's going to be a little bit harder for him to have that same type of yeah. impact. Um, but now with the double pivot. Oh, sorry, Tyler Adams. Well, Tyler Adams would be RB Leipzig. And, yeah, yeah, but I hear And you. if you have a double pivot also, like, you're kind of not stuck you know, as a six, just you right, know, sweeping right. the back line, you do have a little bit more freedom with your cover um, to, to, to get forward a little bit more with the, with the way the game's playing now with, with double pivot. So that, that shifts things too. But I, but I, I agree with you though, that, that we need more of that. Yeah. And, and Wes has already shown, he did it in qualifying. We obviously saw some glimpses of it. He should have had that goal against England. That one that came across the box, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but put himself in a good position to, to be dangerous. I think he's always looking for that. Eunice, I think, might be the one where we're like, we need more. We need more because we know you have it in you. Right. All right, let's talk about Christian Pulisic. Came off the bench in Leicester's or Chelsea's 3-1 win over Leicester, which is uh, the third consecutive win for the Blues. I do want to say it's not a coincidence that Christian Pulisic comes back into the team and they start winning. I'm just throwing it out there. A 24-year-old superstar for us. The U.S. men's team suffered a knee injury against Man City in January, and he's just returning. Um, I'm hopeful that he can put uh, kind of this tough – injury post-World Cup stuff behind him and he can get after it and keep enjoying yeah. this newfound positivity for the Blues. But uh, just excited to see him get back out there. I'm, I'm sure they're going to ease him back into the team. What I find interesting in direct contrast is that Giorena has been healthy. He played 85 minutes this midweek uh, against Chelsea in the Champions League, but then he was on the bench yet again against Schalke, even though Adeyemi was out, uh, Marco Royce was out. They and he played, to, what, 10 minutes or something like that? He, I think yeah, he barely is. played anything in, in yeah. the, the 2-2 game between Schalke and Dortmund in the Riviera Derby, which is uh, really disappointing. Only one start in 2023 in all competitions for Giorena as well, Heath. Yeah, it's not ideal for, for his development, but, you know, fortunately, he's got plenty of time. Um, I mean, time goes away quick, as we know. Your careers fly by, but yeah, I, I, I think he'll find some clarity after the season in terms of where Dortmund see him, if they see him as that role player or, or and for a young player like that, that's on the bubble of being one of the best young players in Europe, you know, is that the right situation for him or not? But again, they've got plenty of options at Dortmund, but you go back six months ago and he was at the top of that list, you know, in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. options you use. So just curious what's going on there. Yeah, I'm curious as well. Though Dortmund manager Edin Tursich came out and said, Gio has always suffered setbacks. He was injured once with the national team. He's made a few short appearances, played from the start against Bremen, and had no playing time in the last three games. This is uh, before the Champions League. He knows what mm-hmm. we expect from him, but we also know what he can give us. He has to be diligent, and he has to be patient, is Edin mm-hmm. Tursic, the manager of Dortmund. Now, again, it's really disappointing that Julian Brandt was also another player that was hurt, Marco Royce, other like players he's been competing with. Maybe it's because he played 85 minutes midweek that, that Tursic didn't want to go back to him because he has this concern about his injuries. But the fact that he turned to Jamie Bino-Gittens, who's an excellent young player, by the way, Sebastian Allaire yeah. and, and Danielle Mullen in, in the attack, I just I just wonder. But you're right. He did get the last 10 minutes, and I guess we're going to have to wait and see how that's going to go. All right. Let's talk about uh, Chris Richards really quick. Let's stay. I know I just pivoted to the Bundesliga, but let's go back to – all right. Pivot all you want, Jimmy. Crystal no, Palace. No, no, Chris no, Richards. Here. You can pivot whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, do you have any Geo Reyna news before we move on to Chris Richards? <laughs> no, no. I do think that U.S. soccer report will come out soon, though. Um, so everybody, keep your uh, binoculars on. Wait, wait. Uh, like, what's what's this, like U.S. soccer has a report that's dropping? 
Is no, that- yeah. The, no, no, the investigation. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, got it. yeah, the investigation that they've openly said um, they are doing and, and would put out a, a – they, they would share. I don't know if they share the investigation, but I'm thinking news will come out of that at some point. <laughs> You're tap dancing right now. He's tap dancing right now trying to find the right words. He's tap dancing. All right, so Man City off an Erling Holland penalty beat Crystal Palace 1-0. Chris Richards did not get off the bench, so he had a run of three straight 90-minute games. And now he's only had eight minutes in his last five games, which is against Brentford. I'm not happy about it, obviously. But do you think he should get called into the oh, yeah. camps? I, yeah. I think 100%, but I just want to have the As discussion. long as he's knocking on the door. Like, it's one thing if you're – and I think Sergio Des also gets called in. But if you, it's one thing if you've been buried. You're on a loan deal. You've been buried in the lineup. You're not going to get minutes. Like, you've been pushed out. Like, that's a little bit of like a, hey, you're just in a tough spot you got to get through that and then we'll uh we'll figure that out in the future but like he's he's in the mix of like first guy off the bench right now you know not getting a ton of minutes got a string of minutes when there were some injuries um and and i think he's still one that you've you've got you've got to bring in because i think there's a more so not so much deserving but there'll be a level of sharpness to his game because he's knocking on the door still versus like buried in a lineup somewhere not going to have the fitness or sharpness to reliably bring him in and give him significant minutes okay can we you talked about Sergio Des. Can we talk about him a little bit? Uh, he hasn't uh, played since January 24th. That was 90-minute game that he got, and, was, and they lost 4-0 to Lazio. And that was right around the time, by the way, that they were decided they weren't going to kind Put of him in the Champions League roster. Or, yeah, roster. They weren't going to extend anything. It was sort of just like that was a sort of that moment of just sort of like we're done. Are you worried about this because this seems to be how he was treated about? by Barcelona there at the end. And now all of a sudden he seems to be getting the same type of treatment from me. Like what's going on with Sergio? De- is there anything to read into there? Because one time you're like, Oh, all right. The manager or whatever doesn't fit. Now, now you're running into two times and, and, and you wonder, is it, it can't just, can't it just be about him as a player? Like he just doesn't fit or he's not good enough or whatever. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really fascinating. And actually I don't want you to answer that until after our last break of in soccer. We trust don't go anywhere. Everybody selling a little, or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right. That was a nice quick break. I threw that one on producer Alex. He was not ready. And that was pretty awesome. Yeah, he's gotta be, you got to keep him ready with those fingers. I got to keep him. I got to keep him on his toes. I got to keep him on his toes. Before you answer that, though, I want to make sure everybody knows to not miss a second of action from the greatest club competitions on earth, the Champions League and the Europa League. You can follow the biggest stars from the world of the beautiful game like Kareem Benzema, Victor Osimhen, Erling Haaland, Bukayo Saka, Casemiro, if he's not getting red cards, as they try to clinch continental glory. So make sure you head over paramount plus and get one month free with the promo code advance you heard it here all right welcome back to in soccer we trust jimmy conrad alongside heath pierce and not charlie davies if you want to give him a hard time go find him on the twitters or instagram and go bust his proverbial balls (laughs) heath talk to me though about uh, serginio desk because that i'm a little bit nervous about this next step for him because if it doesn't work out at milan barcelona doesn't want him either where do you go? And and Gio's kind of in the same thing. Like this next step is going to be pretty important. Is it? Does do you have to take one step back to go two steps forward, or or are you going to be working so hard because your pride's at stake that you want to stay at the same level, and so you're not willing to take that step back? Yeah, I think there's definitely prides at stake, and that's that ends up happening, right? Nothing's guaranteed in your career. You get a good contract or a good deal financially, or being a big, uh, big go to a big club, and it's hard to really dial back in and say either I didn't succeed here, or now I got to take a step back. So that's one part of it. Part two is we've seen Sergio Dest and his abilities, unbelievable on the ball, no incredible technique, incredible footwork. But we've also seen him have off days with those tools with the ball in terms of his passing and rhythm and being effective, right? Turnovers on the ball, uh, trying to dribble too much, those types of things. When, when he's in top form and that's that's flying, unbelievable. But when it's not, you start to go to a player like that and you have to say, well, I need you to do other things, right? You need to find a way to be impactful on a day that maybe your attacking stuff isn't working when that means discipline defensively, pulling, you know, doing that type of shift. And I feel like he's still a player that doesn't have the consistency on the attack to, to, to be a bona fide starter at an AC Milan, but also doesn't have necessarily def- the defensive abilities to to round to sort of round that out into being somebody in contention. And so when you're in a situation like this, you get buried and you're like, well, you've got to find a way to do the, the, the simple things better. Uh, I think he's still missing parts of that game. So I worry about a player like him and where he goes next because he's got to be in an environment that plays to the type of player he is because he's not going to change, right? He's not going to just become like a hard-nosed uh, right or left back that just is, is difficult to defend and that's all he does. He's got to build on that, but he's got to be in a place that allows him to make some mistakes and and develop those parts of his game if he's willing to have that type of m- mindset. That's true. I think that's important is having that growth mindset, understanding that this is uh, a journey and it's not necessarily going to be a straight line from from the bottom to yeah. the top. I, I do saw a nice comment in there who said that Anthony Robinson went down into the championship, learned how to get a little bit tougher, learned how to, to fight in maybe a way that he didn't have to previously. And now we, we're seeing how much he's improved over the last year. And obviously he's translated that into interest from some big club. Very different profiles though. Totally, totally, totally. I, I, I I say this acknowledging that Serginio Des has more talent in his pinky than I have in my whole body. But do you think that we want him to be better than he is Heath? That, that, that he has obviously all the attacking ability. I, I, maybe I should bring this back a little bit because I always feel like there's, and I've mentioned this before, there's just something about the game that you love, and that's why you play. And for me, when I look at Serginho, it's just going forward. He just wants mm-hmm. to combine. He wants to join the attack. And when he's going forward and has time and space to make that happen, it's almost like yep. you can see the smile on his face. But doing the thankless defensive work, which I still feel like defending's a lost art, he just doesn't have that same smile. It's it's definitely running uphill when he's defending and running downhill when he's attacking. Yeah. And I wonder how he tries to solve that when instinctually he just doesn't do the little things that are necessary. And I know we touched upon it with Anthony a little bit in these last couple of games where he's a little bit in that space too, but I still think Anthony's maybe willing to put in that that work a little more than Serginho. What do you say? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, again, it, it's that turning point for anybody that's got a good mentor or a coach around them that goes, look, you've, you're, you've got this in spades, right? You've got this technical ability. You've got this ability to play the game at a high level when the ball's at your feet. But these are the other pieces you need to add to your game, right? Like I said, you need to find a way to be impactful if you're not having a good day going forward. You can't just be that liability where your starting point is high and wide, and that's it, unless you are delivering either on a top team or at an incredibly high level week in and week out. And he's not really to that age yet where you're going to have consistency, right? He's young. And so he's got to work through all that. So I think he's got some limitations. I, I do think he could be as good as we want him to be, but 
he quickly rose from one one season at Ajax to a Barcelona to now an AC Milan that you go, there's probably a big jump there of like hype and then also like living up like him now. Right, right, right. Which is hard. We've been there. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, And I would jump in and say that Ronald Koeman, who brought him to Barcelona from Ajax, came out recently within the last month or two to say that he still can't believe that Barcelona is electing to essentially start Sergi Roberto and like let Serginho Dest just go when he thought that he had more potential and future yeah. than, than uh, Sergio Roberto. All right, let's let's keep this moving. I want to talk about, so well, we have a whole bunch of people to talk about. Then we want to get into our roster and, and really kind of, again, I want to remind everybody on Wednesday, right when the wa- roster, waster, when the roster comes out, <laughs> we are going to have an emergency podcast. So be ready for that on, on Wednesday. Turn on your notifications, either on podcasts or on the YouTubes. But uh, Fuller and Balogun, he makes Liga history in the French League. The youngest to hit 16 goals in their first season in Liga, 21 years and 252 days. Uh, Rantz, his club that's being managed by a 30-year-old named Will Still, a Belgian who uh, has English parents but grew up in Belgium, who kind of turned his football manager career and, and going to school to learn about how to be better at at football and understanding all the, the intricacies and subtleties. Gets the job. It's an unbelievable story. And they're 16 games unbeaten since he took over, which is insane, including beating Monaco 1-0 this past weekend. And Balogun scored his 16th goal. And it was a very good goal. He actually had a couple other chances, too, that maybe on another day he buries to get a hat trick. Jonathan David, actually, Canadian international, got a hat trick for Lille. And they're a crazy 3-3 draw against Lyon. That was 0-0 at half and ended up 3-3. Timo Weah played right back this time instead of left back. Yay. For <laughs> So I wondered, Timo Weah getting a ton of experience. Uh, he could have maybe done a little bit better on the second goal with Alexander Lacazette, but ultimately he seems okay. There's, I don't know how comfortable he looks, but he's getting some valuable minutes and that's something to to be proud of. But that was a hell of a game and one worth watching for sure. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about Ricardo Pepe, his team lost one zero to Georgi Mihalovic's AZ Alkmar one zero Pepe for me. I watched a good portion of this game, Heath, and I really like a lot of it, right? He was, but there were moments where he's very good at picking the pocket of the opposing six, where it looks like he's up high, and then all of a sudden he sneaks in and pokes it, and, and it creates attacks. And, and I like that he's consistently doing that. And, and and I've seen him do that a few times this season, especially for Groningen. And I like that. He's, and, and his movement in the box has been excellent. And another thing, too, is he's demanding the ball a lot, and he wants the ball. He's getting it to that point where he's starting to kind of yell at his teammates and throw up his arms. I think he's got to be careful yeah. of that. That's never a good look. So Mihalovic came on as a super sub. Uh, in this game and uh, had a great pass that led should have led to a goal. Didn't end up by a good save by the, the ground again goalkeeper. Um, I think that's I mean, we got Joe Scally ended up playing 90, I believe. And and I think Mönchengladbach yeah. lost. I meant to have that one ready to go. No, I think, again, it's a good update on to where we're going for the national team. Obviously, still a number of, of pieces. I've talked to a couple of players that, that are on initial rosters, but even they haven't been notified into the final roster for this camp. I can't haven't gotten any insight into how many players um, the overall objectives of the camp or any of those types of things. Uh, obviously the overall objective is to win games, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see who that comes out. I don't expect there, you know, just to get jump into that. Yeah. Do you want to get, do you think there are going to be any surprises or, or Josh Sargent got to play 45. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked pretty sharp for Norwich and their one zero loss against Sunderland. I bring him in. Yeah, he's one you want to keep close. Um, you know, Tyler Casing, Haji with two goals and an assist. Uh, there's CCV scored. There's just a lot of a lot of uh, of players that if you look at like 26, 27 player roster, though, I'm wondering if there's if there's um, if there's anybody that's really uh, uh, yeah going to be a, a huge surprise in terms of a young. I mean, Taylor Booth, I think, would be the big surprise. He didn't play for Utrecht this week, but he was on the bench. Okay. So I wonder, you know, if I think they're probably getting him back to staff. full health. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't rush him back in either, but mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that's enough. If Anthony Hudson and the staff's like, hey, if you can make the bench or whatever, what we're going to call you in and, and see how yeah. it goes. And if, yeah. if we know that you're going to be in line for playing before this thing starts, then they'll bring you in. Taylor Booth would be the one. I do want to talk about CCV, Cameron Carter Vickers, mainly because his coach at Celtic, uh, Andre Posigolu, he uh, said that. He that Cameron Carter Vickers is the best defender in the Scottish Premiership. And I know that the 25 year old center back just scored um, this weekend over hearts. But 
this is what this is the quote from his manager. He's been outstanding from the moment we signed him. He's a really great defender in our back four. You need to do a lot of one-on-one defending. Physically, he's as strong as anyone. He's got great awareness, and he's a really intelligent footballer in terms of understanding the game and the areas he needs to protect. He's got a bit of everything. Okay, I take that. And obviously, this is a, a coach is always going to hype up his own players. Even taking that into consideration, then let's let's bring him in and let's start him. Let's yeah. start him. Let's start Chris Richards. Uh, maybe bring in a Mark McKenzie, Eric Palmer. Let's just see what these guys are. Mm-hmm. Austin Trusty could be a yeah. surprise for some. And Birmingham's, Birmingham has been uh, not as hot as of lately for Austin Trusty, but but we're yeah. looking at center backs. So let's look at them then. Yeah, I fully agree. And those are players like him, Mark McKenzie, that they tend to blend into games. And so maybe we underrate them in terms of their value, right? They're not big towering center backs that win every single ball in the air and have this physical presence that's different. They read the game really well. They tackle well. They're, they're, they're good on their feet. They can cover ground. So I'm, I agree with you. Bring him in and sort of see what that's like. You know, he's, he's obviously playing at an extremely high level right now. Let's see, give him a couple games and, and see how he fits in. And can he be, um, more than just the partner to the left center back and be that leader, you know? Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see who who steps up and gets called in first and then who starts, right? And obviously, we'll have special podcasts with our, yeah. with our thoughts about that moving forward. All right, let's uh, focus. Before we go to MLS, though, Joe Scally started and played 90 minutes for Mönchengladbach and their 3-0 loss to Leipzig. So we have a lot of options at the right back spot, including mm-hmm. Team Away. So we'll throw it out there, see what happens. But let's talk a little MLS. We're in the third week of action, and a couple of young players stepping up. Uh, Atlanta United's Caleb Wiley, two goals and an assist for Atlanta against Charlotte. Charlotte's are not doing well, lost their first three games after a pretty promising expansion year last year. It felt like they were going to build off of that, and it's been quite the opposite. St. Louis, though, talking about expansion teams, Won their first three games of the season, coming back once again to beat the Portland Timbers mm-hmm. this time around. They've got a little uh, Goonies never say die only, vibe. To them. Only three teams have done that, and now they're on path to potentially be the only team if they go four straight to as a franchise as an expansion team. Four straight. Yeah, games. I mean, and at at this point, why why wouldn't they? Let me see who they're playing next week. St. Louis have the San Jose Earthquakes at home, but the Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. After losing their first one against Atlanta, have won two straight under Luchi Gonzalez, former assistant coach for the national team at the World Cup. So they're starting mm-hmm. to they're, they're looking better, the Quakes, yeah. and, and uh, definitely look a little bit more organized. And so I talked to Luchi the other day, pretty proud of him for getting this opportunity. And yeah. he said to come down to training anytime. So that'll be my coffee shop with the yeah. national team coaches. example <laughs> for you, Heath Pierce. But yeah, some good games in MLS, uh, LAFC with a big 4-0 win against the Revs. Yeah, Last both weekend. teams are That was a huge, huge one that I thought would be a lot closer, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And, it wasn't, and it Denis, wasn't. Denis Buanga, who everybody's predicting is on like an MVP path before the season started, where a lot of people did, is, is certainly off to a, a, an um, unbelievable start. Yeah, it's it's good times in LAFC. I mean, every time they pan to Steve Chirondolo and Mark DeSantos and Ante Razov, the coaching staff for LAFC, and they're just He's laughing. growing hair back. He's not losing hair. He's growing <laughs> hair back. You know? That's He's in how, a real cushy, He's in a good spot. Yes. Right now. Yeah, any bald spots are now disappearing for, for Steve yeah. Chirundolo. That's fantastic. But Austin FC, I thought they responded really well after losing to a Haitian club in the CONCACAF Champions League down in Haiti and went to Salt Lake and got a good result with two very good goals from John Gallagher and Owen Wolf the son of Josh Wolf, the coach. Now, I knew Owen when he was born, so for him to now start scoring bangers in MLS is pretty frightening, but here we are, Heath Pierce. Here yeah. we are. He's one of the, I think he's one of the eight father-son duos to score in Major League Soccer. I think it's been eight. There's eight. Can we, I, can we quickly try to, before we close be wrong the show? I that, but that but, sounds like no, a I lot. think you're right. So it's, it's probably Bob and, Bob and Mike, Michael. Who else? I can't even name right. any other ones. Father-son? No. No, to score in Major League Soccer. Oh, fathers and sons. Yeah. Well, so you have you have um, Jesus Ferreira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I Bob's out. Bob, I, don't, I don't remember Bob banging <laughs> any goals in MLS. Bob was big in the air in the box. <laughs> I wonder what position Bob would have played. Probably the same spot as Mikey. Um, yeah. God, who know. else? We'll have to come. We'll have to figure that one out. And, and uh, Roy Lasseter, Ariel Lasseter. Yeah. yeah, that would be one. Uh, um, we're going to leave this uh, one as a cliffhanger for the Harks? show. Harks? Ian Harks, did he score? He scored a loss? he had to have had a goal. Hmm. No, I'm stumped. We got Ferreira, uh, we got Lasseter, we got Wolf. Have, have just, uh, 
who I'm trying to think whoever was playing the halters or the Reinas or the, I mean it's literally the the royal families uh, from the American side. Yeah, right. Anyway, this is stuff we're going to yeah. talk about once the cameras stop yeah. rolling. But let's call it a show. Heath Paris, final thoughts from you. I'm excited no, about Wednesday. Big show. roster fun announcement show. coming up. I'm excited to see first and foremost how many players will get called in. And then from there, we'll get to uh, really break down who we think should start from those 25, 26 players that we're expecting to get called in and uh, see if there's any surprises. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, Jalen Neal, uh, another young player for the Galaxy uh, for the U.S., played in the January camp. I'm curious to see. He just got his first start for the Galaxy against Kansas City, 0-0 draw. So I'm excited to see if we see any names like that that are trying to parlay that into the January mm-hmm. camp, into this particular camp. Yep. Lots of lots of exciting times, Heath. And I just took your final thought, but now it's your turn. <laughs> no, I got I got I got none. I think you're spot on. I'm excited to see this roster kind of tells what kind of story it tells us in terms of new generation, same generation, new players. Like, what are we thinking? Is there anything closer to answers that we we to to our uh, difficult questions? So that's it from me. All right. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, and I guess Charlie Davies. And definitely Heath Pierce. Mm-hmm. I'm Jimmy Trashcan. Cream cheese. Conradinho Conrad, also known as Jim, saying thank you for listening and watching in Soccer We Trust. And we will see you on Wednesday for a full reaction to our thoughts about the roster for this upcoming Nations League games. We'll see you soon. Later.